Gaming NBS, episode 263, coming to you Sunday, October 6th, 2019. Welcome to Gaming NBS, tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Glad those of you who are here before are back again. And if you're new, hey, man, welcome aboard. Nice to have you here. Yeah. Sean, how was your weekend? It was good. I uh, I got the Tomb of Horrors mapped out. Did you? I did. Did you get to play any games or were you just prepping for game? Just prepping for my game whole con game. It's uh, I think I, u- I used gaming paper, not isometric and it is um, many roles. I could see that. Well, not many roles. I mean, I think I used. Well, actually, yeah, I did. I think I used four rolls of gaming paper. Wow, what do rolls of gaming paper go for, Sean? I don't remember. <laughs> I just happened to have them in my. <laughs> I had extra. I had oh, like okay. eight. Oh wow! I, okay. Yeah. I'll tell you, man. I thought that stuff like oh god, uh, uh, but I'll tell you, it's nice. It lays flat. It lays flat, and uh, it's good. It's good stuff. I like yeah. it. I like it. Yeah, it, it takes marker pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I've used it before a ton, and then I'm like busted out. I had Ford lying around, but I, I cut it up so that way I could fit stuff down, and I think it makes enough sense where the party won't. Cause you get into like, did you try oh, to like stitch it all? Is there a secret door there? There's like a passage out after that. Did you try to stitch it all together so that it's like one massive placemat you can flop down over the top of the table and drag no. it on the floor? No. Good, smart man. Yeah, no. One, it wouldn't fit on a roll. No, it would not. And two, I didn't want again. I didn't want the party to come to a dead end and go, oh, there's something on the other side of the wall. I could, or I didn't want to like, see it. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't want to section it. it off or gotta, drape gotta. something over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's done. Now I got to do pre-gens. I got to reread the Gatsby and the Great Race, and then I got to think of uh, the LARP. There you go. The LARP I'll be as the dude. Yeah. I got, I'm waiting on one piece of clothing. Okay, very. And cool. then I I will be my outfit will be complete. Very nice. Yeah. My uh, AJ ran some more of his Crips and Creatures campaign, which was cool. He's got, <coughs> excuse me, we went for, through some pretty heavy combat stuff the previous sessions, but these last two that he had were very role-playing, political, making deals with dragons, and trying to reorganize a war. So it's pretty fun. He's doing a damn good job, I think. And um, Let's see. Oh, I killed the deer, so I was just totally not game related. I arrowed one on Friday, so that was good. That made me happy. That takes that it's self it's self imparted pressure to have one down in archery season. So what that does is it frees me up. Like, oh, okay. <sighs> I should I should uh, get my make sure all my pregens are done for game hole con. I'm pretty close. Oh, I should make sure I've got this this or this. It's just one less thing of pressure. So that's kind of cool. I like that. And 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 now I've killed and I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great, man. And I'm adopting my kids tomorrow. So that's kind of cool. That's huge, man. Congratulations. Oh, thank, you, thank you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Back on Father's Day, Rhiannon said, hey, we should do the adult adoption thing. You should be my real dad. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then her younger brother, Connor, my stepson, said, well, yeah, duh, I'm in. So the running joke between my kids and I and their friends are like, you need to be adopted. I'm collecting the set. Come on. Bring me. You got somebody. You like your dad. Come on over. Ah, take you on. Come on. It'll be good. So anyway, after this, I've collected the set. So it'll all be good. That's huge, man. That's yeah, good that's stuff. Big. Yeah. And I'm an IT guy, so I'll be fault tolerant and, uh, you know, backup redundancy. It's all there. I got two boys, two girls. It's all good. I technically have three girls, but, you know, anyway, all good. All good. All good. Yeah. Otherwise, man, I think, let's see, announcement-wise, we've got Gamehole coming up. We've been talking about that. We have Evercon, evercon.org. We're hitting that point now where we need more and more people to uh, start getting their events in. We usually get a lot of people for Evercon saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to run something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And then they start waiting and waiting, waiting, like we all tend to do. So... As a con organizer, I can tell you all, it really, really helps. The sooner you can get your event in, the better, because oh, it yeah, just yeah. it just help, it helps bulk up the bulk up the website. And th- what that does is when people again say, "Oh wow, there's shit happening," that's cool. The other thing it does when people start poking around, they say, "Hey, I wonder if somebody's doing X." They go, "Oh, that oh, I've always wanted. That. You know what? I'm going to run something." And we've had a number of people tell us that, "Oh, I saw something on there that reminded me," so I. Put a game out there myself I want to run. So you can inspire people simply by putting your games out there that you're going to run. So I strongly encourage you, if you can make it to Evercon, check out evercon.org and uh, get an event out there, man. That'd be great. Yeah. I uh, I will do that. That'd be cool. That'd be awesome, but man. I have to figure out, I, I have to get into the con frame of mind because every time I prep, for a con and I submit events to a uh, convention, Mm -hmm. I realize I don't want to do this again. Oh, so so like if you're done with two more horrors, like I don't want to do that again. I don't want to, I don't, not a two more horrors specifically, but I don't want to map it out. Yeah. So I get into the prepping and I'm like, I don't want to prep all this stuff. Like, I want to keep it minimal. Oh, okay, okay. Right? So when you come to Evercon, be prepared for theater of the mind then. Right. Pre-gens and there you be. Yes. Or they're generating at the table. I think Something. You, I think you can do that with certain game systems, but if not, I mean, just grab some pre... Honestly, you can take pre-gens straight off of, like if you're running 5e, straight off the Watsy site. Right. Yeah, a shit ton of pre-gens. Right. I've effectively used those at cons many times. Yeah, and I don't have a problem doing like so that I have to do pre gens and I have to do the map for two more horrors. Yep. I'll probably want to get some tents, so I'll probably bring some you know, uh paper, construction paper, whatever, tag tag board. Yeah, there's whatever. a lot of there's a lot of things that we've talked about and that we know we like to see at a game table at a con, right? Oh, I should have and truth be told, you don't have to have name tents for everybody. You don't have to have this, that, no. or the other thing. You don't have to have it. But uh, some of those little tchotchke bits are kind of nice when you have them. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know. Like, uh, I think about Star Wars and I go, oh, I could bring all these miniatures and 
you know, I could run it like this and have but then all the, this cool stuff. And then it's like, but prepping, it's just like, ah, man, you I just gotta go love, and yeah. throw my shit down and play. You got to love that stuff. If you're going to yeah. pull a Carl Kiesler, man, you got to be Carl Kiesler. You got to love doing that prep. And I would do that if I had the talent. Huh. Well, I think... Because he could probably whip that shit out pretty quick. Well, maybe you've hit a thing there. Like, Sean, what is something that you can whip out pretty easily at the game table, right? That was horrible and potentially rude question. But anyway, what I'm saying is that, if hey, if you slap down some uh, Star Wars character sheets and say, okay, here's what you are. Let's go. You're on the Aluminum Falcon, and you're going to go do a job. Here's the deal. Let's go. That's why I use the beginner the beginner set for Age of Rebellion from one of Game Holcon's games. You could a couple easy, years. I'm ago. just I'm telling you, you could easily do that same thing at Evercon and would work. If that's a type of game you like to run, there's no reason you. I guess in short, don't try to beat Carl Kiesler if you can't do it, or you don't like. Hey, look, I don't I don't feel like I could pull it off. It takes me too much time. I prefer to do this other thing. We've said this before. You know, even when Corey was you know. Kojo was saying, hey, you know, my kid's going to run a game. I don't expect Kojo's kid to show up with, you know, a truckload of, you know, Masters of the Universe miniatures and playsets that he has transmogrified into some dead game society wonderment. It doesn't have to be that. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't? No, it doesn't. It really doesn't, Sean. Well. Anyway, think about it. You'll run something cool. I know you will. Yeah. Well, and sometimes I always think of just, that's why I was running forget about it all the time because I would just pull out what I already have done and hit the print button. Yeah. And that would make things a lot easier. That's another game. You have not run that in a while. If you pulled that out, ran it at Evercon, it'd be something you haven't run for two years now at least. Yeah, that's true. And you always have a good time with it and you're damn good at it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, damn right it is. All right, man. Any other announcement type stuff? I don't think so. All right, let's go on a random encounter. Random encounter. Uh. Random encounter. You can start, Sean. All right. Jared Rasher comments on why so serious? On the forums. Some 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 very interesting topics coming up in this episode. I think one important thing to note about authors like Lovecraft and Howard is that they have already been foundational to the field they worked in. For better or worse, horror would look much different without Lovecraft's influence, and fantasy would look much different without Howard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Since they have already, I actually commented on this to Jared, and my comment had to do with this, I think. Um, did I? Did I comment on it? Doesn't matter. Read. Yeah. Read. Well, I said it was after they died. Oh, yeah, yeah, Right? Was kind of the... That's true. At at the time, so, Lovecraft died in, died in poverty and damn near unknown. It yeah. was revived after the fact. Right. Anyway, carry on. Since they have already been so instrumental in establishing the structure, at least in my opinion, it's less important to try and rebuild a new parallel structure and hope nothing of theirs creeps in, which is going to be a very difficult task. 
than it is to point out what's problematic and destructive about their work and try to divest the modern genre of the worst aspects of those works. That's fair. When it comes to modern works, it's a bit easier to at least say, from this point forward, now that I know, I'm not supporting this person any longer. But it's difficult to separate out what they have worked on in the past, especially if that were was as part of a team. Hmm. The bigger something is, the more difficult it is to separate individual elements. I love D&D 5e, but there were several problematic people involved in previous editions and in the current edition. And there is one big unresolved issue that I wish I would... that I wish would be addressed in order to make me more comfortable about continuing to support the line. But despite that, I also know there are people that work for Watsi that I like and respect, and it makes it harder to just cut everything off for me. I do think that politics, quote-unquote, at the game table is a nuanced thing. I would say it is a true statement to say that all games are political in that we bring all of our biases and our interactions with the real world into the games we run and the characters we play. I do think there is a difference between directly referring to real world politics, religion, and current events and showing what political agendas motivate you in what you add to your games. As an example, my Tales from the Old Margrave game is a game about dark horror fairy tales with the underlying theme of a fae of fae versus cosmic horror and I wouldn't bring literally references to modern politics into the game. See, now somebody would argue you do. Hard to say. I'm not at his game, I don't know. But I'm saying that you're if there are people that will argue if you're ro- if you're playing a role-playing game there's politics. Yeah. I can also argue that the world is flat, too. No. Oh, yes, I can. It's no. a stupid-ass argument, but I can do it. <laughs> I just like the uh, picture with the flat Earth and all the other planets around. Yes, I love that. That's Everything crazy. else is a sphere except for this one. Anyway, <laughs> carry on, carry on. All right. Uh, la, 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 la. However, I did have a villager in the Margrave that was a logger make that the state... <laughs> Let me try that again. However, I did have a villager in the Margrave that was a logger make the statement to the PCs that if his village cleared out an area, anything in that area that they wanted to trade with them or become part of the village was fine. But if they got in their way of harvesting materials, it was perfectly all right to wipe them out. The PCs immediately saw this NPC as someone that needed to be set straight. Obviously, my biases about environmental resources and colonialism inform how I portrayed this NPC, but it was also almost comically over the top as well. See, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. What? But what the fuck am I supposed to do, right? I'm supposed well, to. True. I'm supposed to run a game and ignore all my own personal biases, thoughts, and ideas. Yes. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. To bring in the consent in gaming topic. This is why Session Zero, lines and veils, and ongoing safety tools can be very important, as well as checking in with players. Sometimes people aren't going to be able to game with one another, and sometimes they aren't going to be able to game together in certain genre, but we'll do fine in others. And on that note, 
Thanks for the plug. Jared does great reviews, so we always call him out. Yeah. <clears throat> Good points, though, man. So that topic can bring up lots of different <clears throat> angles, perspectives, agreement, disagreement. Correct. Yeah. No question. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the, the biggest pieces that separates the assholes from the decent folks is listening and saying, huh, okay, wow, I see that you don't like this thing. All right. I won't make you do that thing. <laughs> you know, I, it, it's, Jared is not, he's not doing the dickhead thing where everybody else is wrong. My, my position is the only right one, you know? Um, and again, well thought out, good, good, uh, good perspectives. I like it. And it is, it is tough to tell in a large group project. You do something for a company, you work at a company. Sean and I have worked together at a, at an insurance company previously. And huh, turns out that one person that we both knew happens to be a total dick. Huh. Interesting. Imagine that. There's a total dick at this really large company that's producing a pretty cool product. But this person's a total dick. Hmm. It's wonky, man. And there's just everyone has levels and things that they can tolerate and can't tolerate. I don't know. That's goofy. Yeah. Shall we carry on? Yes. This next one might be one of my favorites from Steve Orlick. He had an epiphany on character sheets. And he says, my fingers, they're fighting me as I try to type this. I, I agree with John. <laughs> the fuck is happening? The world is falling apart. Is it opposite day? The rapture? Somebody help me. Sean said, whether it was nostalgia or good design, those yellow AD&D character sheets were the bomb diggity. Okay, my finger's locking up. I can no longer type. Steve Orlick. <laughs> See, Steve, it's just a matter of time, buddy. You just got to give in. <laughs> it doesn't happen every week. No. It not. may not happen every month. Or every year. Or every year. But that's why we have 260-some shows at this point. It's going to happen. Yeah. Sean, we got to give Sean a shot. <laughs> 260 sometimes. He's due one or two. I'm due once. <laughs> Maybe. You've once. got a couple here and there. It's all good. Thanks for writing in, Steve. Absolutely, man. What else have we got? All right. Voicemail from Goblin Centurion, who we have not heard from in a little while. Oh, wonderful. Hi, Brett. Hi, Sean. It's Goblin Centurion. Long time, no voice message, I guess. Um, since the uh, close of G+, I've been a bit of a social media nomad. So I'm moving around the place, trying to figure out where, where to pitch my tent, as it were. Um, I suppose on the plus side, it's given me the opportunity to um, develop some of my ideas from mere ideas into sort of finished stuff. Um, so I suppose from that point of view, it's been a, it's been a good, but... Um, Still struggling to re regain the G plus magic. Anyway, back to the point of my call. Just ringing about the episode "Why Why So Serious," which I thought was a very interesting episode. I thought uh, Sean did a, a good job in challenging you, Brett, pushing you to see where you know the the complexity and the issues there. And I thought Brett also did a good job in uh, pushing back. So well done, gentlemen. The way I see it personally is that um, 
I think Brett is on, on the right track. I think you have to hold everything up to your own personal moral compass and decide if you can support a person, yes or no, based on what you know about them. So, you know, if, for example, Lovecraft, can you support him when he, when he was alive or that kind of person? Yes or no? Maybe it makes a difference if they're dead. Maybe it's just too big a deal that you can never support them dead or alive. And are your views so strong that a friend of yours who supports that author, for example, you can't be friends with them anymore because you believe so strongly? That, I think that's all, all a personal decision. I think part of the problem comes in this comes in the fact that everyone's politics is different. And by that, I don't just mean are we left-leaning or right-leaning. I think for some people, politics means, you know, when someone says keep politics out of my game, they mean, you know, which party did you vote for, the left or the right? Other people, politics is far more reaching that. I mean, going to the supermarket is a political decision for them. You know, do they buy products with palm oil because that's damaging the environment? Do they buy products from Israel because uh, because they believe that they're suppressing Palestinians? Do you not buy French wine because they didn't support your country in the Iraq war? So, you know, McDonald's. People have a big deal about McDonald's. And, you know, supposedly, I'm not saying yes or no, I'm just saying it, because of their, their you know, damaging environment and all, all those sort of things. You know, Kickstarter at the moment. Should it be unionised or not? Is that, a de- is that a big deal? Is Amazon the great oppressor? Or are they just doing the job in the most economical way fashion, you know, possible? So when you say to someone, you know, keep politics out of my game, well, for some people, I don't think that's even possible because for them, it's it's their life. It's everything. It's not just left, right, you know, voting. It's, it's their everything. So it's like saying, please don't bring your breathing into my game. And I think the other issue here is that in social, in social media, you don't really know who your audience is. Not really. You assume they're people like you. But, you know, if you got up in the HP Lovecraft fan club and said i like hp lovecraft you probably wouldn't cause a, a you know a ripple but if you stood up in the sort of uh, race equality kind of organization and said i like hp lovecraft you might get a completely different reception and i think in social media th- that's that's the problem people people don't generally you know we think we're we tend to meet each other because we're interested in gaming but actually other than that we don't really know you know a lot about the other people and therefore sometimes you need to tread carefully and, you know, in fact, on G+, I got my fingers slightly burnt on this front because I interacted with people sometimes assuming they were like me. And when they raised an issue, I thought they wanted a genuine discussion, but they didn't want a genuine discussion. What they wanted is, you know, for me to or, you know, their people like them to, you know, affirm their position, backslap them, you know, you know say, yes, you're 100 percent right. So, you know, again, when you when people are putting this politics into gaming, are they interested in discussion or are they interested in just uh, reinforcement? So I think this is where it all goes a bit haywire. People don't know who their audience are and they don't know what their reaction is going to be. And then when they engage with the person, they don't understand whether they're actually interested in discussion or just um, interested, in, you know, in affirmation. And therefore, it turns into a you know, pretty rapid sort of confrontation, I suppose. You know, and the other thing is people are not sensible on forums. I mean, I've tried to embrace this idea that if I'm not happy saying it in a supermarket, whatever I'm saying, or rather, if I'm not happy shouting it across the supermarket, then maybe I shouldn't be, you know, projecting it in a forum. And that, that's kind of my acid test on 
whether I should be saying something or not. Now, if I want to say something that people don't like, even though I'm comfortable saying it, well, that's to me, becomes their problem because if they can bring it to me and want to discuss it, fine, I'm open to discussion. But if it's something I'm not comfortable saying in a supermarket, then I'm not going to say it in a, in a wider audience. Okay, cheers, fellas. Um, it's been a long time since I've called in, but still enjoying the shows. Bye. Goblins, man. That was good, man. Yeah, he. That was he good. Has, I mean, we start with Jared Rash with some good points, yeah. and then Goblin comes in and wham, he, he takes it further and really just springboard. That's good stuff. Both of yeah, those were good. He really touched on quite a bit in five minutes that has been really tapping at the back of my brain for quite some time. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially the social media piece, like the. You know, you think everybody's kind of the, well, they must be following me. We're probably on the same page. And then all hell breaks loose. Yeah. If, oh, what? We don't, we all like D&D. And that's where that stops. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're not all the same. No. Uh, so thank you so much. He, he really articulated that, I think, pretty well. Uh, yep. Well thought out, well described. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Uh, next one, Chris Shorb. All right. Chimes in. Uh, I forgot which one he's talking about. I think the same thing, maybe. I don't remember. Hey, Brett and Sean. It's Chris Shorb calling in, uh, listening to the Delta Green episode, but my question is more general. I just recently read Matt Colville's Strongholds and Followers, and last night I informed my players that this was going to be a legal thing in the game. And the thing that I really like about it is it gives you a reason, you being a player, the reason to have actual money in the game of D&D 5e. Um, the other thing I'm doing, uh, I don't think any of them listen to this podcast, but if they do, I don't think this is too spoilery, is for their campaign, I'm thinking of them having a final 17th through 20th level big, huge battle with armies on their side, and then, of course, the bad guys have armies. And so the way to get to that point is for them to have strongholds and to build those domains, domains, I don't know how you pronounce that word, D-E-M-E-S-N-E, um, but to build those up and uh, and then bring those into battle against the big bad guys at the end. Um, anyways, I was wondering if you guys had done a an episode on strongholds and followers, in particular strongholds, and if so... Um, Maybe you can point me to it, and if not, would love to have you guys add that to the old hopper. Thanks a bunch. Have a great week. Bye. Yeah, man, I'm going to have to add that one to the hopper. We've talked about it a bit. When Strongholds and Followers came out, I was a backer of that. Love it. And, (laughs) excuse me, I do want to do it. It's one of those pieces where I think, Sean, you and I have talked about this before, insofar as like, man, that would be cool (laughs) because it was never really a big thing. I remember even in my red box days when you got up to a certain point or even bx and where and whatnot you'd have rules and things around strongholds and bigger components it was never anything we really got into so i think i i'm a hell of a lot more interested in it now and i really like 5e and i think it'd be a good place to go yeah that uh i wanted to pick up that that book i may pick it up in pdf and see, but yeah, it was, it is interesting. I mean, the only thing that I have had experience with in that realm, I think was Doc touched on it a little bit in his campaign, which was more, 
Um, you know, we were the movers and shakers of kind of the, the, the Duke's area. Mm-hmm. We were kind of his trusted liaisons and, uh, that was kind of cool. And then before that was when I was a kid, when we cleared out Ravenloft, the DM rolled some dice to find out who would inherit Castle Ravenloft and oversee Barovia. I was that guy, my paladin. Nice. Yeah. But other than that, it hasn't really, uh, it hasn't been a thing, but I do, there is a certain appeal to me, uh, about that. Yeah. It's just, it's different. And I think there's plenty of people that have done it and do it. I just don't hear a lot about it on social media when I'm watching stuff. Yeah. I'm listening to people with their gaming and so on. I, I We're very interested in, <coughs> excuse me, damn it. We're very interested in the character and how they develop. And, oh, I'm a 20th level this, or oh, I got up to 15th level, blah, blah, blah. And maybe I'm just missing it, but I do not often see where people are saying, oh, yeah, and as part of that rise to glory and fame, I bought a town or <laughs> or something along those lines. I think yeah, it could the, be interesting. I think it would be K- interesting. Kingmaker, I, I've had that. I've recently turned it into Noble Knight because Pathfinder's licensing somebody to turn it into 5e, and I think when that becomes a product... That could be cool. I would probably pick that up for 5e, because I did like it, I enjoyed it. I know there was a lot of bookkeeping behind it, but I think the overall how to go through a land, set up an establishment, and then eventually it grows into something bigger would be would be an interesting yeah. campaign. So I think in the short version, Mr. Shorb, it's going to go in the hopper, but number two, we're going to have to do a little bit of research on our side because we do not know enough about it right now to speak too intelligently or any more or less yeah. intelligent than usual. Thanks for uh, calling in, Chris. It's a good Absolutely. one. Thanks. Yes. Right. Let's get into the main topic. Right. You ready? I think so. All right. So on Matt Colville, speaking of, tagging off of Chris Shorb here, he's uh, running the game video number 56. If you go about 17 and a half minutes into the episode, he starts talking about <clears throat> suboptimal play. And this is something that Chris and I, uh, uh, Chris and I, thinking about Chris Shorb there. Ah. Sean, yeah, that's him. Yeah, Sean, the other guy. Sean and I have talked about <clears throat> this type of thing before. I'm so going to mute you. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> so, Sean, one of the things we do talk about often is tactical play, different ways it works and so on. You know, we talked about mapping and, and so on. But I don't think we've really talked about suboptimal play, except in <clears throat> excuse me, those cases where somebody's kind of doing it kind of douchey, right? Well, oh, well, my character would do this, so therefore I'm going to light the house on fire. You know, where they kind of do kind of dumb thing sometimes. Did you did you have a chance to listen to the, the Colville talk there a little bit? I did, and the reason it threw me off is because it was about, was it, it got into metagaming. <clears throat> yeah, he starts off with metagaming, and I'm like, okay, cool, kind of blah, 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 and I just, and then he got into the suboptimal play, and like this, this part of it was much more interesting to me. Yeah. So when you think about suboptimal play, Sean, what makes you – what was that conjure in your head? Do you think 
what do you think of when you hear that? Well, it is similar to what Mr. Colville had conveyed in that video, which mm-hmm. is not optimizing and playing to my character's over buffs. <laughs> or not. That's not even right. <clears throat> optimizing my player character and then basically... Um, Making it the Ex- best exposing seven. those, yeah, exposing them, right? Yeah, because you think about it, like totally optimal play would be tactically optimal is usually what it comes down to, where you say, "Hey," um, <clears throat> and some groups have suffer from this, where they have one or two people that try to control the whole table. We've talked about this before, where what you want to do is always make the most optimal move. <clears throat> well, I will forego attacking these goblins because if I get in this position, I can grant flank or I'm going to forego doing this thing because I could do this, which is a more optimal bonus ridden thing that can give to more people. So on and so forth. And many game systems, I mean, D and D in particular, um, have a lot of those bonuses and buffs are built to help optimize your play, to make you a more optimal character, make you do cooler things or whatever it is at the right optimal time to do the really kick ass Totally cool tactical thing, right? Yeah. Okay, you're agreeing with me? All right. Yeah, I agree. Because it's really about... Because it gets into metagaming. It does. And this is like a weird-ass version of metagaming in a way where you're not using all your, all that metagaming knowledge or whatever to do the special thing. Like, oh, I know what this is, or I know how to optimize this situation or make the best tactical move, blah, blah, blah. When instead you say, you know what? My character is here to um, kill this bad guy. That priest has to die. That priest is the one that killed my child. They're dead. Yeah, but we're fighting the hobgoblins. <laughs> I really don't care. I see the priest I charge. I, uh, I'll come. I'll help you all later, but he's dead. And then you stream across the field, you know, knocking goblins aside and close with the priest. Or <clears throat> you have a character whose goal is to, look, I want to collect enough money so that I can buy that tavern and uh, retire. I want to be a tavern owner. And they get to a point where they have accumulated enough stuff. They're like, look, I think this character's going to retire. You're only third level. Yeah, but his whole goal in life was to collect enough money <clears throat> to um, buy a tavern and retire. And he has more than enough gold now. There's no reason he or she can't just retire. That's less than optimal in the strictest sense of the game. You following me? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> now, I would I would throw this at, I would posit to you, Mr. Sean Kelly, that you actually engaged in suboptimal play most times I've played with you. What? I have? Yes. Oh, I am such a bad player. <laughs> Damn myself. No, and I think it's cool because you've always done it saying, you know, when we played Trail of Cthulhu, you're like, okay, this is, um, well, you know what? I take the dynamite and charge the monster. Monster's got to go. That, hey, man. It wasn't technically it's, a good move. It's the world or the monster. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, Star Trek, man. <clears throat> Search for Spock. Yes. You know, needs of one. Needs the many outweigh the needs of the few. That's right. Or the one. <laughs> true, true. That's what you also. Says. Even when I did um, ran the Avalon game for you and Joswick and Wayne and 
and whatnot up in the game hole last time, your character was not, you're not driven as a player from what I've seen to always win every fight. I think partly because you can't roll a d20 to save your soul. That might be part of the problem. That is true. <laughs> but I, and I, I, that also reminded me, believe it or not, that everybody I know who has bad dice tend to be really good character players. <laughs> And they choose the suboptimal tactical stuff sometimes because it's really cool. It's like the thing their character would do. It's not a stupid thing. It's not always self-sacrifice. It's not always, you know, standing with your finger up your nose because you don't want to get in the fight or running away or whatever. But that kind of, um, like my example of you, you come in there and you see the evil necromancer who killed your husband. Like, uh, he's dead. <laughs> he, he's ah, some of a bitch. He's going down, and you wade through the skeletons, and people are like, "Hey, you should help us with the white, with the whites and the gas and the zombies." Nope, Mm-mm. necromancer, right here. I got him. You know, <clears throat> and that's what I see you play. I always note that, huh? Sean's going to do the. I don't necessarily know what Sean's going to do. Oh, wow, look at that. That's a how crazy <laughs> like that, Brett. Yeah, but it's cool because it's it's. It's suboptimal play, really, because you're not looking for the best advantage all the time. Now, you don't do this all the time. You know, you'll go in for a flank. You'll go in to try to make sure that you give somebody a bonus, whatever. But I I note a lot of people that do what I consider good suboptimal play. And again, I'm saying that by saying you're doing something that is not the most tactically advantageous at the time. Tend to do stuff to bolster up other people. Yeah. That's the way I roll. I think it's cool. And I and I don't know if that is... Are you intentionally doing that, Sean, or does that just come naturally to you? Because you can't roll 20s. <laughs> well, when you can't participate in one way, you must participate in others. I see. Okay. Have you had other people at your game table do that? Where you see that type of... That leaning towards, hey, look, you know, I could be the one that, you know turns undead but uh yeah I'm, i charge the vampire <laughs> you know you could turn undead make half the skeletons go away mm, no fighters take care of that i'm going after the vampire or hey you know why are you doing x why aren't you doing this other thing well you know i don't necessarily make make the best tactical judgments for my character do you see other people at your tables do that stuff i see that but i don't know I think it's just a judgment call. I don't think they're making a conscious. Um, I don't know if they sit down and weigh their options to the point of going. Shall I play suboptimally at this? Point? Yes, they, that's right. They don't. They're like, well, that would be suboptimal if I did it that way. Where if I did it this way, well, then I would get much more bang for my buck. So it's more of a in the moment scenario situation where I think that if there is a typical big bad and they want to go after the big bad, they could probably annihilate a lot of the little minions, but you know, in the heat of the moment, they decide to go a different route. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, in my Delta green game, one of the things I, I really love about my home group is that they're very supportive of each other. When suboptimal play shows up most times, every once in a while, somebody like, what the fuck are you doing? Because we've known each other forever, and that's the type of thing you do. But <clears throat> I'll give an option. I can basically I took the last mission they were on. I threw a couple wrenches into the works, and one of them I'm like, "Nope, not going in there." 
You're like, dude, you got, what are you, you're supposed to be, mm -mm, nope, I'm out here, scary, weird things happening. Yeah, scary, weird things happening in here too. Nope, sorry, this is in my face and scarier, weirder. And Lenny looks at the at, at him and says, you know what, that's that's what I would do. That makes sense. Everyone goes, yeah, you're right, that would make sense. You're alone in the van. There's a creepy-ass big, big tentacle monster scratching something thing on top of the van. Yeah, you probably wouldn't want to run out of that into the warehouse where the gunfire is. Okay, I buy that. Suboptimal. But yeah, it makes sense. And they encourage or support each other. When somebody sticks to their guns and says, no, 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 no. I'm not going in there because there's a goddamn monster on the roof of this van. And I'm not sticking my head out the window yet. The yeah. group's like, you know what? I, uh, I, I buy that. I support that. Because honestly, it, it irritates the crap out of me when somebody's doing <laughs> something like that and some jackass... They like, no, 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 no. What you got to understand is that you have initiative, and if you go 15 feet out, you can blah, blah, blah. And the other guy's like, that's not what I want to do. Because I have seen that many times in my career as a gamer, where somebody's trying to counter with a better tactical, rule-based, <clears throat> almost metagamey type of thing, right? Like, look, this is how these are the rules of the game, and if you play them exactly as this, you can maximize this thing at the time. And the other player's like, dude, I just... No, I I like two sticks of dynamite. I jump on the fucking oily monster. That's what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good money. I think it is. When folks do, when they do, well, I get the. Hey, I'm just gonna I'm gonna hang loose here. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold tight because monster, and I don't want to. Monster scary. I'm scared. I'm gonna. Hide in a corner. Yeah. I, I get that. Mm -hmm. But it's always good money when they're like, woo, you know you're going to die. Yeah. 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 This is kind of crazy heroic. <laughs> I don't know if it'll even work. Yeah. Doesn't, I don't care if it works. I'm fucking no. doing it anyway. Yeah. Joe plays like that pretty often. My buddy Joe. Does he? Okay. Oh, yeah. Joe's, Joe does. He's the, the, he, Joe is the counter of Jeff. That's why I like playing with those two yahoos. A little yin-yang action there. Yeah, because Joe's not afraid to lose a character. And he's going to play him the way he the character should be played. And Jeff is always afraid that all you know his character is going to die. Like well, he, that's how Alpha's character got gacked within the first 15 minutes we actually started playing. Yeah. Made character, sat down. And he's like, no, I'm just, what? what's going on? I don't understand. I stand there for a minute. I want to look around and see if she wants to see what's going on. Bap, 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 bap. Yep, she's dead. All right, give me another sheet. And he's just started making a character. Yeah. It doesn't phase him. He's like, oh, well, I'll make a new one. Twice as cool as that one. Off we go. Joe has never thrown his books out into the snow. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes at... And maybe it's just the we the way I the con games I've run and the things I, I've seen when I've been engaged in con games. I think more people tend to do the suboptimal slash this is for the fun than some of the tactical stuff. I know there's heavy duty tactical gaming going on out there. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. But I think encouraging people to do the thing like this is what your character would do, you know. When when I ran a uh, World of Darkness, a Wraith intro, were you playing that one with Beatty? On Dave Beatty? Yes. Yeah. And I drove on Dave, and all of you guys, things are going bad, people are dying, <laughs> it's going nuts. And Dave's like, nope, that's it. 
I'm coming. Boom. And he kills himself. Holy crap. Yeah. He's like, you know what? I think I think that's what he do. And everyone goes, yeah, that's fucking dark and brutal, man. But yeah, <laughs> I, I'm with you. That's it. Now, the optimal thing would have been, no, don't right. do that. Calm everybody down. Buddy up. Solve the problem together, Scooby and, and the gang, instead that's of running true. crazy. Yeah. But everybody got into the character and said, you know what? My character sees crazy shit. I'm acting appropriately. It was all suboptimal play. Not a single one of you at that table did the quote unquote best thing. No. <laughs> it all it all went to shit really bad. Yes, it did. But that was fun. Well, it's a con game. Mm-hmm. So that would make it, you know, a one shot. I mean, I didn't plan on playing that character again. Correct. There's something to be said for that, right? And I think yeah. you when you and that came to my mind when you mentioned your buddy Joe. He's like, I don't care if I lose character, I'll make another one. Well, and he pl- he plays like that in a campaign. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is I I think there's some really cool freedom in that. Yeah. Even in the campaign, going, you know what this this uh, this tune I've got in front of me? Yeah, she could die. That's all right. But I'll I make should, another one. But I should stipulate he doesn't play carelessly. That unless, is very. Unless, that's I was just going to ask that. It's very important. Unless, of course, his character is very careless in nature. But typically, he doesn't play dumb and he doesn't play careless. He's just not, you know, he's he's not a glass cannon. He's not worried about I need to be three feet away because I can next move. If I get up to two feet, then they can't attack me. But then I can get in in and I can do a, a lunge and that'll give me a flank. And a, he, he's not the guy doing that math, is he? No, not typically unless it it really matters. Well, okay, be, you know, I think it depends on the character he's playing so he plays a barbarian currently okay so he's all about rushing in he doesn't care he's like how far am i away yeah i'm I'm running as fast as i can to that to to towards that and i'm not saying that that, i mean you you make a good point here because it's not that the the player who likes to do this isn't crazy holy shit whatever and doesn't never like how do i do it's not that they never care about the rules or they never care about tactical play Correct. but at certain key points they're like you know what the you know what my you know what my guy's gonna do charge yeah oh christ the barbarian charge sure you're gonna do that man it's a rancor <clears throat> yes yes i am <laughs> <laughs> all right man yeah because hey that's that's what he's been doing yeah that's him that's that's uh that's ragnar the mighty this is what he does that's right you know you are first level. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. <laughs> this is like a CR-10 monster. Yep. Okay. All right. Just want to make sure. You, you might die. Uh-huh. I got yep. a new character going right now. What are you doing? What are you rolling? New character. Joe, just tell Joe, me what happens. Joe, <laughs> Joe is so awesome. When he rolls up a character for a campaign, he doesn't roll up one. No? Even, even, if, even if it's like, hey, man, you can only start out with one, or like, who, what are you going to play? He'll always come to the table with like one character, but he has five in the folder. Never know. He just, I'm ready to go. I'm prepared. I, yeah. I came to fucking play, man. Yeah. And I'm not going to not play while I'm dicking around making a character here because I happen to die. Pretty much. So do you like, do you like seeing it? It sounds like you enjoy that at the table. I mean, it's well, not like I said, it's not like I should, as you said, not careless or crazy or just stupid play. Right. But properly suboptimal. Like, you know what? This is the right, this, um, yeah, my ranger holds the line. Everybody else flees. I just keep flinging arrows. 
some of the best stories from role-playing games are when the player through their character is doing something cool, dangerous. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, it's a, uh, a characteristic of the character. So maybe they are just normally careless. Mm -hmm. Maybe their wisdom is very low and they do silly stuff without really thinking it through. Yep. Their common sense isn't there. You know, the they may encounter something on the negative side. Yes. But it's always something fun or funny or amusing or sometimes it comes out like holy cow, I cannot believe you just did that. <laughs> I can't and believe that you worked. succeeded. And, and you know, yeah, that worked. I've had it where I had a character this is a while back. I had fireball spell. And I'd used it once. We're playing a tactical game with figs and stuff, and I fucked up where I put it because I didn't bother to stand up out of my chair and actually count the damn squares I'm like that one. Wham! And I hit half the party. They all lived, and their characters gave my character shit for it. So next time we got in a, in a fracas, I refused to cast fireball. And like, right. dude, you know what to do now. I'm like, no, no, he's no. I'm still. I'm still I'm still pretty upset and I'm a little wor- nervous. I'm just I'm really nervous to pull that spell out because I don't, toast you I, don't guys. I don't I don't think I can control it, man. No, you're just a char- no no no. My character does not believe he can control it yet. If I have another opportunity where I can do it successfully, yes, but right now I just don't think I can. Like, God damn it, Brett. Oh, fine, all right, I get it, your character. But, oh damn it. That w- and they all looked at me and went, Okay. That's annoying. It's kind of stupid. It's quasi metagaming in the weirdest negative way, but all right. Your, your your argument of why your character wouldn't do it, we'll buy it. And yeah. off we went. But I think you're right. There's a lot of a lot of the really cool stuff that I can remember is when people did shit that they shouldn't have done that wasn't necessarily the most optimal thing to do and gave it a try. It's not like winning at a tactical game or being the consummate tactician where you're optimizing all your movements and there's there's some cool stuff in that where i had this with a group we used to play with a, a number of jobs ago i would roll out i was trying to use the cr system in 3.0 and 3.5 we're playing that and i had to I had to jack it up by three every time i went after them because if i didn't they could out tactic me every fucking time they built these wonderfully optimized min-max characters and they would walk into a combat and just grind it was wonderful to watch in a way it was like this mastery of the system and characters and how they played them and grind 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 grind. it was it was crazy it was a different type of different type of conflict right but uh i think you can have fun doing that but i think there's sometimes when people are doing the not the non-optimized attack they're not using why why aren't you using two why are you using that two-handed sword? They have a plus two longsword. This is my dad's two-handed sword, man. I always use this in combat. You have a plus two weapon. Until I run into a monster, the dad's sword won't hurt. This is the blade I use. Uh, okay, idiot. You know, people will roll their eyes at you, but that's that's a cool thing. It's a suboptimal decision that your character's making based on something. I think the time when I've seen people get pissed at it, and I don't know if this if you've seen this, Sean, is when there is no reason. Right? I'm going to do this thing. That's a really bad idea. Why are you doing that? 
And the person then, for some reason or another, refuses to explain it, won't explain it, or the game master won't help them <laughs> try to answer it. And sometimes people are just dicks. And I've got a grudge seeing this happen. You know, John made Joe mad. Joe decides not to cast healing on him this time. Why not? You've got five more hit points. You can wait another round. Dude, really? I'm almost dead. This giant's dishing off 15 in the crack. Eh, shouldn't have lipped off to me. Now, <laughs> I've seen that happen, right? And that's not quite what I'm talking about. That's almost like vendetta play <laughs> versus suboptimal. But uh, have you seen that one, Sean? Seen the vendetta? I've, I've seen that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen the... Yes, the I've seen that dynamic grudge. at the, the table. The yeah. Book of Grudges comes out. Ah, yes, two dungeons ago in the <laughs> swamps of the Lizard King. Well, I had I had one where it was... I had to be introduced to the campaign, so I was a prisoner. And when the party came across me, you know, I knew things because I had been a slave in the pits and they the chose mines. not to believe you and torture you. So they, yeah, they never believed me and never trusted me. And not only did they not trust me, but it was to the point where I was mercilessly interrogated. And it was like, <laughs> they just, this one, one player character, one player. And through his player character would not, would just not let it go at all. Like it was just this thing, like what I do, what did my character do to yours? And I think there was even some weird dynamic between like his race and mine or something history, historically, whatever. Oh my God. Yeah. And it would just not go away to the point where it was really starting to piss me off as a player. Yeah. See, that's, that's like when it goes bad. Yeah. Because that is potentially suboptimal. The optimized tactical perfect thing to do is like, oh, clearly Sean is a new player character. We will interrogate him slightly and then we will immediately become friends with him. Or be suspicious. Yeah. I can be suspicious, but I will trust him after the first combat. Hey, now you're my bosom buddy. It makes no logical, realistic sense. Right. Given the fact of everything else the party's gone through. But hey, it's a conceit of the game. Carry on. Move forward, people. I think that is one of those examples of it's gone too far into douchebaggery <laughs> where you're just, you're being destructive and evil. Yeah. And I don't even players. mind the, I'm, I'm suspicious, you know, March order. I'm always behind Sean's guy. Right. Fine. Yeah. Fine. I can live with those nuances. Yeah. I get go ahead. That. Go that's ahead. not a big deal. Just don't stab me. Yeah. That's a little different. <laughs> right. But okay, fine. I get it. You keep, keep your eye on me but it got to it just got really just oh never ended and i'm like come on you're killing me here <laughs> um and then what happened would be then you start getting into pvp like almost pseudo because then something would happen and then you're i'm pissed off yeah then it turns into a downward spiral yeah that's where i think I think what you say about guys like Joe when I was talking about Lenny and some of the guy and Alpha's character did a suboptimal thing, right? I charge into combat. Oh, for God's sakes, damn barbarian. <clears throat> it's not the end of the world. Just not being a jerk. You know, he brings five characters to the game. Smart man. That's a that's a guy who knows he knows what's what and uh, uh you know, character sheets are cheap, I'll make another one, you know. And I think that type of non optimized play is pretty cool. That's fun. That goes into the whole hey, now, my assumption is once we're in combat here, Joe is like, okay, yeah, I'll rage, I'll do this, I'll do this, you know. But there's there's moments of 
decision making that aren't necessarily the best tactically speaking. And that's what, if it's all the time, all the time, all the time, then you are almost an annoying kender and somebody wants to step on your head. But I think the judicious application and sometimes what's judicious for one group is not for another. But um, I think that's the, that's the key to it. And also to not make it vendetta based, <laughs> like we just talked about, or um, just difficult for yeah. people. And I think the other piece too is if you do it as a player growth thing. So an example, I'll, uh, when my character was hesitant to cast fireball, didn't like doing it in the dungeon. Once we got into a larger room, I could clearly throw it way the fuck away from the party. Wham! Like, okay, I got this. All right, I'm feeling confident now. I did that. All right, it was a stupid little thing. I never should have been worried about it. I got it now. I'm good. I'm comfortable now. The players look at me, can you cast fireball now? Yes, yes, I'm happy now. I'm good. Thank God. It was annoying. Not like we didn't win the other battles type of thing, but it shows growth. And I think that's part of the suboptimal stuff. You know, like the player who's using that two-handed sword from his dad all the time. Or that other character who has, you know, her mother's plus one ring of protection. I have a plus two ring of protection I could give you for that one. Why don't we swap? No. Yeah, but you could use the armor class and this will give me something. We'll just swap, you know, like we used to do. No, 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 no. No. Arthur would never do that. This is his mother's ring. Okay, that's not really optimal but it's cool that's a cool thing to do you know it makes it makes something about your character interesting and again it's not destructive in any way so kind of cool yeah any other thoughts sean no no did you like did you like matt's perspective colville's perspective on it or i thought it was i mean it was kind of brief but yeah I, you know i thought it was interesting because of the dialogue that i that's preceded kinda, it yeah preceded it um because it, it went into the metagame piece where somebody, they were going down, a the, the situation was they were going down a corridor, mm -hmm. and they came across something, and one of the guys realized it was a gelatinous cube. Well, yeah, he talked about a couple different things. He talked about how he metagamed and realized that, oh, it's a gelatinous cube, said it out loud. Right. And he could see the other dungeon master, who the guy was DMing, went, oh, crap, Matt figured it out. Yeah. And another piece they talked about was as his players had gotten to a certain point, and they just realized that they had bypassed a whole bunch of the dungeon, and should they go back and fight those other monsters, get some more treasure before the big bad fight, because then they would get tougher. And then they had argument between them, like that's metagaming to say we have to go back to get stronger, because you'd only know that if you realize you were living in a game. Right, yes. And where Matt was like, oh, no, no, hang on a second. Your characters live in a world where... You progressively get better based on experiences you have, right? That's a known fact. You know, you didn't just wake up one day and go, huh, boy, I wonder how I got this extra spell. Oh, that's amazing. I got a new feat. Where'd I get that from? You, you realize, you know, so they had this, this back and forth. I thought it was interesting that he took that, that type of metagaming, like how do I get the most out of something? And then that brief flip into the suboptimal play, which is how can I minimize something really and it's another form of metagaming but i think the cool <coughs> thing in my opinion anyway is that that metagaming as we were talking about here is if you're doing it suboptimally and it's based on a character development piece or a character backstory 
or a, some history they have with something or something that just occurred to them or that they're thinking about flashback, whatever. That's cool. That's, that's a piece of, that's a piece where that character background gets to hit the table, make it real. Or, you know, you're just like, Hey, look, he's kind of a happy go lucky nutball mage. And this is just what he does. Or, you know what? She's uh Sorry, she hates Drow. She was in prison. Her backstory, she was imprisoned by Drow and um, kept as a slave for a year. So, yeah, don't really care about the Darrow. She goes right for the Drow Priestess. That's not a good idea. Mm, don't care. Bloodlust, man. Kill her. You know, and that that's cool. To your point, I think that's where a lot of the, some of the fun stories happen. Even if, yeah. it, even if it fails horribly, you go out in a ball of fire. That's still pretty fucking cool. It is cool. Anyway, I think we're good. Yeah, we'll have a link to Matt's episode in the show notes. So, so let's move it on. Dry, uh, die roll. Yeah, that's what that's called. Die roll. All right. So the Wolverines take the highway to the danger zone by Chris Hussey. If you don't know who Chris is, he's been a guest host on uh, Fear the Boot on and off. He does some uh, actual play as well. So you can get this on DriveThruRPG. It's a Savage World scenario. has comes with pre-gens and everything. It takes you back to the 80s if you didn't get that out of the title of the supplement. I'll read just the synopsis here. It's the end of one chapter in your life and time to start another. High school graduation. It's the 80s and the world is at your fingertips. Trouble overseas? Not your problem. Rumors of a commie invasion? Sounds like a grown-up issue. Now is time for more important things. Summer job, parties, college. Maybe telling your crush how you really feel about them before it's too late. Optimism is high and there's nothing you can't do. And as you stood on stage waiting for your diploma, everything changed. You don't remember what you heard first, the gunshots or the explosions. Didn't matter though. Within minutes, your world transformed. The enemy was here. You scrambled for safety, clamoring for loved ones, but gunfire and chaos kept you apart. You didn't think. You just ran. Soldiers in red starred uniforms were in your town. The commies were here. You don't know if they were. Russians, Cubans, or Chinese, but it didn't matter. They invaded your town of Springfield. They put tanks in the streets. They ruined graduation. Now it's time for payback. Wolverines! Taken from the movie Red Dawn. Yes, yes. Inspired yes. by... The movie Red Dawn. The movie Red Dawn. Nice. Uh, the second one, Jared Rasher strikes again on his blog with what do I know about reviews, demonic, uh, exertions, excretions, excretions. Yes. It's yes. a, uh, this is a, um, Rob Schwab. So it's gotta be excretions. That's right. <laughs> it's a Rob Schwab. So if you don't know who Rob is, he's done, uh, Shadows Demon. of the Demon Lord. Yeah. And then the third one, Ty put, points out the story engine deck of endless storytelling prompts plus book kickstarter so hopefully we'll get this episode out before the kickstarter ends which is october 11th 2019 it's fully funded um and even if you don't get in on the kickstarter hopefully you'll be able to get the product after the fact but it is an interesting you know deck of cards you can create stories with by combining different cards so i thought it was pretty cool check out the video and I had one out there. I threw Brett's this out. Got on, one. I threw this out in the forums. It was Saint Anthony's tongue, an incorrupt tongue of the saint of lost things, 
is venerated in a basilica. So St. Anthony died from edema in 1231. When he was exhumed in 1263, he had totally decomposed except for, curiously, his tongue. It's reported just as wet and incorrupt as it had been in his life when he was celebrated for his oratory skills. Yeah. Yeah, so I Delta saw Green, that. Man. I saw that and I'm like that's Delta Green. Delta that is Green. That is all sorts of that is all sorts of wonderfulness. That's a yeah. beautiful thing that uh, um a bardic artifact that's Delta Green. There's wonderful wonderfulness. Nothing, nothing to be had can there. good nothing good can come from that. This reminds me of and if your players are anything like mine, somebody goes, So it's like Vecna, huh? I cut my tongue out. I cram this one in there. Does that work? Okay, well, first off, you're gargling your own blood for a while. I don't care. I do it anyway. Uh, okay, sand check, you crazy fuckers. Um, yeah, somebody's going to try this. <laughs> so you could change it from St. Anthony's tongue to the hand, eye, and tongue of Vecna. You could do that. But anyway, yeah, I thought it was cool and worth noting. Sweet, man. That wraps up die roll this week. Yeah, ready for next week? What are we talking about next week, Brett? Next week, we're going to talk about description expectations. Oh, my God. What is the hell is that? Oh, one of our listeners had written into us and said, hey, <coughs> it's actually, it gets out on the forums. When you give, um, when you're doing theater of the mind, especially, the amount of detail and so forth that you put into a description. Now, we've talked about this a little bit before with like, hey, what's in the room type of thing. Um, so it's like expanding on that a little bit. So that's what we're going to talk about. Oh. There's show notes out there for you. I quote I quote all the goodness, so you can take a look at it. I shared it with you and everything. Okay. You're going to get your PC, you're going to get your Mac fixed before then? God, I hope so. I don't know, man. I, I, my Mac took a crap, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to do a Kickstarter to raise $5,000 <laughs> so Sean can get a kick-ass computer. Because, you know... I can I can usually Some tell what podcasts have done that and they've been successful. What can I say? I can usually tell when Sean's having a technical difficulty because I'm talking to him and he's got one eye, like one eye on the on the computer. I wonder if this is is that doing is that buffering? What's going on? What's going on? Is that saving? Is this saving? I can tell you were a little distracted. There's a little empty hole in my life without this my my Mac. Even though I wouldn't work on it every day, it's like it's not here. It's kind of like not having a Harley Davidson, Brett. Anyways, this show is done. All right, we're out of here. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. We'll we'll catch you next week. This is Sean. And this is Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming NBS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Hawk Sparrow, Larry Hout, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValle, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Roger Brasslett, John Hammersley, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Howard Bishop, Stephen Dragonspawn, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzwedo, Trevor Davis, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goat, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Rich Wishon, Old Scouser role-playing, Jared Rasher, Andy Hall, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Brian Rumble, Chad Gleiman, Finolf, Merkel Froelich, Lord Tentacle, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Josh Wallace, Kevin Lovecraft, Andy Olson, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Jeff Seifert, and Aaron Raylia. Did you know that patrons get the show earlier than the public? Even if you just give a dollar a month. Could be a few hours. 
could be a couple days. Become a patron at GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thanks, BSers! This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.